0: Good morning. good morning. How are y'all this morning? Good. Okay, no, okay. Well, good. It's great to see y'all. Hey, if there's anyone here who's uh, worshiping with us for the first time, a very special welcome to you. Uh, I'm so excited about our worship service today. So excited about what God has put on my heart uh, in his word as we continue our series in the kingdom. Today, we're going to be talking about kingdom righteousness but I want to point out very quickly, in your bulletin, there's some uh, really important stuff. Like, we got a new small group starting up called Discovering God series. Uh, it's going to be in different folks' homes. If, if this uh, is of any interest to in you, let me strongly exhort you to sign up for one of these great groups. Also, what didn't make it into our bulletin this week is we just started a, a new series of equipping center classes. Those are our Sunday school classes. They're going on now and in the early hour. So, uh, Make sure to check those out, go online, get plugged in. We want you to know we love you. We want you to feel like family. It's important for us to to know one another, to love one another, to worship together. So uh, that's a great way to get plugged in. Also, there'll be an insert we'll need later on, so don't lose that. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles as we continue our series on the kingdom of God, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Now we're going to go back to a verse that we've kind of been stumbling on for the last several weeks. And we will continue. It's Matthew 6:33, right out of the Sermon on the Mount. We'll also be springboarding from there to Matthew 5:20, and certainly some other verses along the way. So will you turn with me and would you read God's word with me as I read out loud? Would you read silently? and let me encourage you that this is God's word. Because he loves us, he's given us his word. Because he loves us, he's given us this so we can know him and love him and worship him and adore him. and So we can know how to live our lives. Another great thing about God's word, it'll never lead us astray. So many things in life we want to follow, eventually you're going to hurt us. Eventually you're going to lead us astray. God's word's never like that. So let's read God's word together. Matthew 6.33 and 5.20. But seek first, of all the things you pursue, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Turn back to Matthew 5.20. Jesus says this, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds is, is greater than the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, these were the religious elite. These were the religious professionals. These were the, the folks that, that taught God's Word, that memorized huge chunks of Scripture. These were the pious in society. They had the longest prayers. These are those who tithe everything they own. These are the folks that twice a week They were fasting. These are like the religious superstars. The paid professionals. And yet, Jesus would say, for I tell you, unless your righteousness, Joe Schlunk, I mean whoever we are, your righteousness exceeds that of the religious professionals, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unbelievably, it's basically saying, here's the bottom bar of threshold. Here is the entry point. Unless your righteousness, my righteousness, doesn't exceed those of the professional elite, we don't even get in. What in the world is Jesus trying to communicate to us? Let's ask the Spirit to come and, and speak. Will you pray with me? Oh, Father God... Merciful and great God. Oh, how we need to hear Your voice. Father, we read these two verses and we are reminded that we are to seek first and foremost Your righteousness. And that we must possess a righteousness that is greater than those religious gurus. Those that knew so much scripture and said so many long prayers and did so many religious things what in the world are you trying to say god we desperately need to hear it so would you speak in a way that we can understand would you start by speaking through a broken sinner that desperately needs to hear these words and desperately needs a savior God, would You open up our ears to hear from the Good Shepherd, to hear His voice. Father, would Your Spirit come and would You shine light into our minds and so that we can understand what kingdom righteousness is all about. Father, would You reach into our hearts and would You remove anything that's stony and cold and dead. And would You give us a, a heart of faith and a heart of flesh that beats after You, a heart of understanding. And God, if, if, if we hear Your Word preached, and as we gather around Your table, if we leave here the same people, we've missed it. You must change us. So come and empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel. Father, the things that I say that are merely my opinion are wrong when they quickly fall away and be forgotten. May the things that are true and contain the good news of the Gospel use those things to shape us and make us more like Jesus. God, come and speak powerfully. Come, we pray in Christ's powerful name. Amen. Well, one thing is very clear. One thing we got to start off with is this. Whatever you are doing, whatever I am doing, whatever we are doing to enter the kingdom of heaven, you're not doing enough. Whatever it is you're doing, you're just not doing enough. And however you're doing it, you are not doing it good enough. Whatever you're doing is not enough. However you're doing it is not good enough. You need to do more, and you need to do more better. Truthfully, I'm sorry to start off this way, and I know it's not easy to hear in the beginning, but truthfully, you don't measure up. And truthfully, you're not good enough. Well, truthfully, you've messed up. You've missed the mark. Are there any questions? Okay, let's close in prayer. Now, if that were God's message for us today, how would you react? How are you reacting right now? I, I promise you, some of you right now are ticked at me. I mean, some of you are shifting your chair. What in the world is he saying? If this were God's message for us today, some of you, and I know your names, would be cussing and quitting right about now. Some of you would be saying, darn, or something close like that. (laughs) You want me to do more? You want me to do more? I I can't do enough now. I mean, I'm drowning as it is. You want me to be better? Some of you are saying, I'll quit. I don't think I can get much better. Now, some of you, and I think I know your names too, you're saying you're right. Jeff, you're right. I do need to do more. Jeff, you're right. I do need to do it better. And I have good news for you as well. The good news is this. You'll never do it good enough. You'll never do it good enough to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, you'll never have a righteousness on your own that exceeds that of the Pharisees. I know you. And let me tell you the truth right off the get-go. You ready for this? You're wasting your time trying. Oh, my. What is this good news? What is this good news that we desperately need to hear? Now, Now... You should be like me. I mean, you should have heard these the last few moments and you should be sliding to the edge of your chair saying, all right, you better let out the tension a little bit because what it sounds like you're saying to me is that I can never do enough. I can never be good enough. I can never even attempt to come close enough that I shouldn't even try. What in the world could be good news? The good news is this. Listen, we are not supposed to to seek first our own righteousness. The Bible does not tell us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It very clearly says in Matthew 6.33 that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It's not a call. Listen, my brothers and sisters, listen, listen, lean in, lean in. It's not a call to do better. It's not a call to do more. Kingdom righteousness is seeking first the righteousness of God. Seeking first the righteousness of Jesus. Well, what is it? What is exactly, what does it mean to have this kingdom righteousness? And it's this. And by the way, uh, you have uh, in your bulletin, uh, you have an outline, which we've been going through. Uh, no fill in the blanks today. You guys were slow on filling the blanks. I was frustrated. You're thinking, what happened? Where do I go? So we gave them without blanks today. And by the way, I just didn't do blanks. So I was just kidding you about the other stuff. Um, and follow along here. But really, I'm not going to be completely following this. And if you want to write more on the back, you can, um, because I really believe God has some very important stuff for us to hear. But this will be an outline if you want to follow along this way. But what is kingdom righteousness? Because we need to have it. It's very, very important, because if we don't have kingdom righteousness, we don't get it. I mean, Jesus says something pretty radical to us. He says this, that the religious folks of his day didn't get it. They were tithing. They were giving to the poor. They were having long prayers. They were memorizing huge chunks of Scripture. These religious folks of Jesus' day were so anxious to try to do the right thing. Are you ready for this? They were actually adding more laws onto God's law. They were trying to so steer themselves from evil, so steer themselves from wrong, that they were piling up rules and rules and rules and rules. And everybody who looked at them, the word Pharisee even means separatist, Thought these guys are the religious superstars. These folks take religion to the highest level, and God's word says to us basically this: if your if your righteousness doesn't exceed theirs, you miss the entry point. And I'm telling you, my, my brothers and sisters, really that should crush us right now. We should stop and, and and really almost tremble and say, "What are you saying to me, God?" Because these are the religious superstars, and you're telling me they don't get it. You're telling me that the, the tithing that they did and the giving they did, although that they were good things they should have done, the fasting that they did and the Scripture memory they did, and all the things they did, and they didn't get it? And that's, we got to be better or we don't even get in. Oh, how desperately we need to hear what is this kingdom righteousness. And there's such good news. And it's this. Kingdom righteousness is possessing by faith The righteousness of Christ. Let me say it again. Kingdom righteousness is not a righteousness of our own. Kingdom righteousness is possessing by God's grace through faith the righteousness, all the right things that Jesus has done through Christ. Listen, this is radical. We have a righteousness not from doing, but by believing. We have a righteousness that's acceptable, the only righteousness that's ever acceptable by believing and not by doing. Now, most of us will live our lives thinking that we have to perform, we have to do something Do it well enough, good enough, so we'll get approval. We live our whole lives that way. We go through school. If you're good enough, you get an A. If you're not, you'll get an F. We live our lives in our homes, often saying saying to our father and our mother, accept me, approve of me. Can I do good enough so that you will accept and approve me? We live in our society, and that's exactly how we're measured. But this kingdom righteousness, it's not by doing. It's by believing. And if we get this, what an incredible paradigm shift this is. Because it can't be by doing. Because kingdom righteousness must exceed the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees. Kingdom righteousness has to be perfect righteousness. Kingdom righteousness. God is so holy. He is so perfect. He's not a God that can look at sin and say, well, it's no big deal. I'm going to just just forget about that. He can't even look at sin. Listen, the only righteousness that God will accept is perfection. The only one. The only righteousness that He can embrace, and the only way He can see us is if we have perfect righteousness. Have you obtained that? Will the perfect one please stand? I can't. I must sit. I was born in iniquity. I was born a sinner. And every day of my life, every moment of my life, screams, to God and to one another and into my own life. I am a broken sinner. I'm selfish. I I don't love God the way I should. I don't love neighbor the way I should. Uh, my, My mind thinks of wrong things. I am disqualified from perfect righteousness. Are you? I'm disqualified. I've missed the mark. I've fallen short of God's glory. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, verses 17 through 19 this, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus is saying this. I didn't come to say the standard is no longer perfection. I come to, to say I am the standard, and I'm going to accomplish that perfection. I'm going to fulfill all the requirements of the law. I am going to fulfill all the promises of the prophets. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. And when does Jesus stretch out His arms and yell, it is accomplished? On the cross. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And again, He reminds us that our righteousness is must exceed that of the uh, the Pharisees and the scribes. Here's the deal. Kingdom righteousness is only found in the life, in the death, in the resurrection of Jesus. Kingdom righteousness is only found in a right relationship with God through His Son. No one on their own has a righteousness enough. No one on our, their own can make, do, have a life that God will be pleased with. Let me give you a couple of scripture verses to make my point. Romans 3. The book of Romans, an uh, incredible picture of, of, of who we are apart from Christ in the beginning. And it says this. And Romans 3, I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. And again, this is quoting Psalm 14 and. I think it's like 53. It's quoted twice in the Psalms. But it says this about our own righteousness, about our own purity, about our own walk with God. You ready for this? Romans 3.10 says this, As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. Now how many? None are righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned away aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good. Not even uno. What in the world is He talking about? Because I know many of you are very good. Many of you have given up your time and your talents and your treasures to help others. Many of you are investing uh, of, of, of what you are into others to make them better. And it's good. And that's civic good. But in God's holy, perfect gaze, none of it is good that can get His pleasure. Isaiah says it this way. Isaiah 64.6 says this. We, all, we have all become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Unbelievable. It says this. Listen to that. All of our righteous deeds. Isaiah is saying all the things that we do that we think are good according to God's holy, pure gaze, they're like a filthy garment, a polluted garment. We are all like a leaf and our iniquity like the wind takes us away. The fifth grade uh, at Orangewood, and I think every fifth grade in central Florida has a rite of passage on the field trip of all field trips. It's the mud walk. How many of y'all been on a mud walk? I just experienced my third mud walk with Caleb. I don't know why, but every year that dad comes around, they all know when my kid's there, oh, your dad's going on this one. And I always think it's because I'm so strong and I could pull others out of the muck and mire, but I think that people love seeing me just get in the dirt and act like a little kid, and that's what I'm going to do. But it's amazing. I mean, it's up in Seminole County, and, and uh, you do you walk uh, through mud that sometimes is up to your waist, and, and, and you smell because it really doesn't smell very good, and, and you've got to tape your shoes on. I kid you not, you've got to duct tape your shoes on because you're going to lose them. And so you don't want to wear anything that's any good, and you'll never wear what you wore ever again. i, I got to tell you, it was, I, I, uh, I went around to the back of our house, uh, thank God for, for privacy fences, and, uh, and said, that's where I'm going to leave the clothes that I came in. Because they no longer could be worn. My white socks will never, ever, ever, ever again be white. And those pants I wore, just throw them away. Don't even want to see it anymore. It's filthy. It can't be clean. That's the picture of who we are in God's eyes apart from Christ. We've gone through the mud walk of life. And the muck and the mire and the stank and the pollution gets in us and on us and around us. And there's nothing we can do to clean up. There's nothing that we can do to wash ourselves up. Say, are we acceptable? Are we beautiful? Can you accept us now? The only thing we can hope for is another's righteousness. You see, the dumbest thing we could do is spend one more nanosecond pursuing a righteousness of our own according to the law. Did you just say that, Pastor? Did you say that the dumbest thing we could do is spend one more nanosecond pursuing a righteousness alone of our own according to the law? Yes, Because here's what it's going to be kind of like. Another one of Jeff's analogies. Are you ready? It'd be like spraying perfume on dog manure. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that it's still dog manure. We need a righteousness of God. And unbelievably, by faith in Jesus Christ, we get it. By faith in Jesus Christ, we get in righteousness not of our own. We get God's righteousness. Many of you know that Charles Spurgeon's been my hero for many, many years. And the reason I love Spurgeon is he just preached Christ. And my favorite devotional is Morning and Evening. And my favorite devotional in Morning and Evening is April 4th. Never forget it. And I'm going to read to you April 4th, part of April 4th's devotion, and it's this. I'm going to change some of the old English, because I know some of you guys will have a hard time understanding. I'm not going to say who. Are you mourning over your own corruption? Are you here realizing that it is true that you went through the mud walk of life, and, and really your own corruption smells, and you'll never be good enough? Well, here's what Spurgeon says. Look to the perfect Lord and remember that you and me, my Christian brother and sister, you and I are complete in Him. You are in God's sight once we have the righteousness of Christ and we embrace Him as Savior. Listen to this. You are in God's sight as perfect as if you have never sinned. No, there's more. More than that. The Lord, our righteousness, has put a divine garment upon you so that you have more than the righteousness of man. Are you ready for this? My beloved Orangewood, as believers in Christ, we have the righteousness of God. Although you who are mourning because of your inbred sin and depravity, remember none of your sins can condemn you. How you have learned to hate sin, but also have you learned to know that your sin is not your own? It was laid on Christ's self and His head. Your standing is not in yourself. Listen, my brothers and sisters, your standing, my standing, is not in ourselves and our own righteousness. It's in Christ. Your acceptance is not in yourself, but it's in the Lord. You are much accepted in God today, with all your sinfulness as you will be when you stand before His throne, free from all corruption. Oh, I beseech thee, lay hold of this precious thought, perfection in Christ. For you are complete in Him with the Savior's garment on. You are as holy as the Holy One. You are as holy as the Holy One. I want you to picture this for a moment. God takes the robes of the mud walk of our lives, all stained and filthy and smelly. He takes those robes that deserve his wrath and punishment and he dresses his son in them. And he takes his son in a public display of humiliation and he makes him wear them on a hill called Calvary. And he nails him to a cross wearing our our mudwalk filth of life. And he takes the righteousness of his Son, everything he did right, everything he fulfilled in the law, everything he fulfilled in the the prophets, and he takes that beautiful robe of righteousness that gives us life, that gives us purpose, that gives us joy and fulfillment, and he gives it to us and he clothes us in his righteousness. And the unbelievable transaction that happened on the cross, so that sinners like us who were disqualified from the kingdom of heaven can be accepted in Christ. Is that not beautiful? Listen, when we are robed in Christ's righteousness, it's more than the fact that we're accepted, we're beloved. It's more than we're clean, we're beautiful. We're beautiful in His sight. On our own, we could never make it. But in Christ, we have a righteousness of God. How do you obtain kingdom righteousness? Well, it's clearly in the Gospel. You can picture Martin Luther in the 16th century trying to appease God, trying to have a righteousness of his own, that he could find favor with God. And the more he prayed and the more he studied God's Word, the farther and the more angry God seemed to get. And he couldn't get his own righteousness in in a level that he felt like God was no longer angry with him. And he read the book of Romans. And he came to Romans 1 16, because listen, where is this righteousness, kingdom righteousness found? How do we obtain it? We find it in the gospel. This is the good news, my brothers and sisters. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, the Jew first and also the Greek. For in the gospel, in this good news of Christ, that we shouldn't be ashamed of, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And all of a sudden, the Protestant Reformation changed. Luther was converted because he realized he couldn't get himself clean. The mudwalk filth in which he lived and he couldn't make religious enough, it was still just trash. And he realized that God was offering him the righteousness of his son freely as a gift. He said, listen, It's about God's righteousness. And you can't do it through religion. You do it by faith. And in this, in the gospel, you find this righteousness. It's made possible through the cross of Christ. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21, where it says this, God took him who knew no sin. Now here comes a question for you, not rhetorical. Who is him who knew no sin? Now listen, when a preacher asks you a question, you can always yell Jesus. And if you're, you'll always be in the ballpark, okay? So let's try again. God took Him who knew no sin, and who was Him who knew no sin? Jesus. He took Him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. What an incredible exchange. How do you obtain by God's grace this righteousness? It's through faith in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.21 says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then there's a Pharisee in the Bible who gets converted. His name is Paul. a One who studied all Scripture and memorized all that he had to memorize and fasted and gave away. And he realized that he had rubbish. He realized that he had mudwalk clothes compared to a righteousness of Christ and he says this in Philippians 3 I want to know Christ I want to know the surpassing greatness I consider everything rubbish compared to gaining Christ that I may gain Christ and listen and being found in him not having a righteousness from my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith did you get that? Here is a religious Pharisee who realizes he can't make the mark. Here is a religious Pharisee who's come face-to-face with his mudwalk filth of life. And he comes to Jesus and he realizes what happened on the cross. And he cries out and says, God, I don't even want my own righteousness. It's it's dung, But I got the righteousness of Christ. And that's the righteousness of God. Do you have it? Are you seeking first His righteousness? Are you living in reality of His righteousness? Or are you trying to please Him yourself? You see, seeking His righteousness is really seeking after Jesus. Did you hear me? Seeking His righteousness is really seeking after Jesus. I'm reading Oswald Chambers this year in my devotional life. and utmost um, for His Highest. Anybody ever read it? I don't usually get it. I read it and say, huh? And... Uh, Uh, Pray for your pastor. But there was one February 21st that I just loved. And I want to give you the motivation of why now we live for Jesus. And he said this. Let me ask this question. Let me ask you, just be still and quiet and listen. He asked this. Have you ever been carried away to do something for God, not because it was your duty, not because it was useful, not because there was anything in it at all beyond the fact That you love Him? Doing ordinary, simple human things which will give evidence to God that you and I are abandoned to Him. Listen, he says this. Abandoned to God. Meaning, just realizing that we are just going to say we love Jesus. We love Jesus. We're going to be abandoned to Him because we really believe He became our sin and filth. We really believe we're clothed in His righteousness. We really believe He's God's own Son. And we are going to ridiculously love Him and live for Him. We will be abandoned to Him. And Chambers writes, abandonment to God is of more value than personal holiness. Did you hear that? Abandonment to God. He wants your heart more than he wants your personal holiness. The Pharisees had it all wrong. They thought that God wanted their personal holiness, but never gave them their heart. He says, "I, I don't want your personal holiness. I want your heart. Why? Because personal holiness focuses the eye on our own whiteness. We are greatly concerned about the way we walk and talk and look. Fearful lest we we offend Him. But perfect love casts out all once we are abandoned to God. When we are abandoned to God, He works through us all the time. My brothers and sisters in Christ, God does care about the way you live your life. And He says the way you live your life should be pleasing in His sight. And I've listed for you some some fruit, some benefits of living righteous lives. You'll see them in your third point some very important things in there about having peace. Peace comes from living right, uh, from having true life. Life abundantly means living our life in obedience to Him. Uh, Joy in blessings. But my brothers and sisters, listen. God cares as much about why we do things than what we do. And if this incredible transaction has come into our lives by God's grace, that we now have the righteousness of God in Christ, he wants to live, have us to live our lives in love with Him. And He wants us to do all we do because you want to know why? We love Jesus. We just love Jesus. And we really believe Him when He says that following Him leads to life and joy. And we're going to deny the lie that the world can offer us life and joy apart from Him. How are you today? Do you have that kingdom righteousness Are you trying to make it on your own? This meal is a reminder of what it cost Jesus for us to have kingdom righteousness. A broken body, shed blood, so that mud walkers like us can be beautiful to Him. Let us pray. Father God, we thank You for kingdom righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. Father, it is so true that we often live our lives trying to do more and do it better so that You'll be happy with us. But really, it's not about doing. It's about believing that Your Son Jesus did it all. And as we embrace Him as Savior, He has become our mudwalk's filthy sin. And we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. God, may that motivate us to live a life of love that is pleasing to you and brings life to us. We pray in Christ's name, amen. We're going to go to the table, but as we do, take a few moments and prepare your heart to feed upon Christ.